0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast.
2: Goodbye baseball. A walk-off winner for Mitch Haniger. Swing, line, drive. This game is over. Sit up here in the bottom
3: of the ninth Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. We have a lot to dive into in this one. It was a fascinating weekend at T-Mobile Park. Mariners, well, they win another series. They take two of three from the Blue Jays, and how they did it was very interesting. Fraley, his first series at home, picked up his first major league hit. We'll hear from him coming up. Sheffield returns his first major league start. We'll hear from him coming up. The return of Felix Hernandez, which was pretty incredible if he were there on Saturday night. Mariners ended up losing that one, but he was very good. So we'll hear from Felix Hernandez. Marco Gonzalez continues to be excellent. He pitched very well against Toronto yesterday as the Mariners got the win. So we'll kind of go game by game, break each game down a little bit and just All its interesting components. Uh, As I mentioned, we'll hear from Fraley and Sheffield. And also, a voice that I know you're familiar with, Dan Shulman, longtime baseball voice for ESPN, now on Toronto Blue Jays broadcast. We had a chance to catch up with him. If you missed it, uh, I want to make sure you had a chance to hear it. That was a very fun conversation. So that comes up in a few minutes as well. So, Let's go back to Friday night, and this was Justice Sheffield on the mound. Game didn't start exactly how he wanted it. A ton of pitches in the first inning. In fact, uh, he was down to his last batter in the first inning. Uh, Nearly knocked out, but got out of the inning. Ended up giving the Mariners four. Four innings, seven hits, three runs. So, ended up giving the Mariners some innings. Blue Jays took a 2-0 lead in the first, but... The Mariners offensively came back, and they used the long ball to do it. J.P. Crawford, who's been in a nice groove.
2: The 1-1 on the way to Crawford. Swung on, well-hit ball deep to right center field, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Line drive, home run, J.P. Crawford, his sixth home run of the season. And it's now the Mariners 4 and the Blue Jays 3. This has been a tug of war, a seesaw battle all night long.
3: Mariners bullpen goes 5 without giving up an earned run. They were excellent. Mariners also saw a first career base hit.
2: Now the 2-1 pitch to Fraley. Swing and a line shot. Base hit into right field. Jake Fraley with his first major league hit. The turn at first. He'll stop there. Up with a ball near the wall as Grinchick gets a throw into second base. Welcome to the big leagues. Jake Fraley, a line drive single into right field. It zips on by Randall Grinchik. And young Jake Fraley, how about this, is getting a standing ovation from the crowd here at T Mobile Park. Way to go, kid.
3: Seeger was excellent, reached four times, had two hits, Narvaez a home run, he had two hits, D. Gordon with three, and the Mariners take game one of the series against Toronto seven to four. So they were off and running. And all eyes on Felix Hernandez in game two of the series. Only took him sixteen pitches to get through the first two innings, as he was solid early on against Toronto.
2: Pitch on the way, and a swing and a miss, and he did it. He strikes out Bo Bichette for his third strikeout of the ball game. And there's two outs for the Blue Jays here in the top half of the fifth inning. Three strikeouts for the King tonight.
3: Mariners had two runs in the first. Toronto, two solo home runs in the third. Then the Mariners go for three in the bottom of the fifth inning. Felix Hernandez comes out for the sixth, and he nearly got through the sixth, some high drama in the inning. Felix has that right arm dangling. Into his motion, the 2-2. Swing and a miss. He caught him. A vicious curveball
1: diving down, burrowing into the dirt. Talese rips through. That's the
2: fourth strikeout for Felix Hernandez. Is he pumped up or what? He pumps his fist as he gets that strikeout of Rowdy Talese.
3: Yeah, the curveball working all night is very effective as he ends up going five and two-thirds, three hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts. He nearly got through the sixth inning, gave up a double to Gritchick at his pitch limit, and that would be it for Felix Hernandez. But all in all, a very good start for Felix Hernandez in his return. And I know the fans that were there certainly enjoyed that. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. So many uncertains when it comes to Felix Hernandez. What's going to happen This offseason with his contract up, what's going to happen through the month of September? How many starts will he make? How many more times will we see him in a Mariners uniform? How many more times will we get to watch him walk off from the mound to the dugout after a good start to a standing ovation? I mean, those are the unanswered questions at this point. And Saturday was just so much fun to watch him deal once again as he was pretty happy with his outing after the ball game. Yeah, that was
4: fun. That was pretty good. I mean finding him back in the mound and it was pretty good. What were your happiness with with what you did tonight? Getting into the sixth, uh your ability to throw first pitch strike? Just to be out there in front of the fan, in front of a good crowd. It wasn't many a Seattle crowd but pretty much a Toronto. That's why I trying to get step on a little bit. But it was good. It was fun, it was good. My friend it was like guys doing a great job and right than back. The so easy see f- an ovation still when you came into the game, even when you walked in, even after. You can't feel it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was good, man. It was. It was fun. It was fun. Not that you didn't ever take it uh, for granted, but at the same time, uh, do you appreciate it just a little bit more going back out there in front of these fans? You seem to high-five your your teammates when you were
3: coming out of the game.
4: Yeah, I really appreciate everything. I mean, uh, been here for, uh, for a long time and. Uh, just to be out there with my teammates and, and compete against anybody, so it was fun. First two innings look pretty easy, and then uh, you need 23 pitches to get out of third. How were you able to uh, wriggle out of that? I made some adjustments. I mean, I missed my location. And two hitters is uh, Hernandez and Richette. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, pay for four, so I was just trying to make some good pitches and get out of there. Felix, what do
1: you hope to get out of the remaining starts that you have this year? Just
4: go out there and compete, man. That's all, that's all I can do. Just go out there, compete, try to give a chance to my team to win, and then that's all I got to do. Are you nervous at all? I mean, it's been three months to get out there. Are we excited? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Man, <laughs> man, 15 years. What am I going to be nervous for? <laughs> no. no, no. I just want to go out there and pitch no. like I do every five days. Did you wonder if you
1: wouldn't even get to this? I mean, it was a long time.
4: It was a long time. It was a long time, but, you know, I can't say that on TV. But I wore my thought of, and then trying to get back. I did. Uh, the other thing you had to do tonight was uh, was come off the mound for the little one on Justin's smoke. That was a nice play. Still got it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Smoke it was running, so I got a lot of chances. <laughs> uh, one last thing. Uh, the You hit Vlad Jr. tonight. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you know the last time you faced his dad, Vlad Sr., any guesses what you did with him? Did I hit him too. It was a change I got it with my hand. I think I, fazed, I fazed, uh B just that too, so. I mean, it was kind of weird. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, what does this
4: mean? I feel old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How was
1: the changeup?
4: I was fighting. I was fighting through the whole game. I mean, I threw some good ones, but I was focusing on my curveball pretty much, and then I had a good fastball. I, mean, I just got to locate my fastball, and everything's going to be better. Thank you.
3: Felix is right. He did face Vigio's dad, who not many times went two for four against him. Also faced Vlad Guerrero's dad and faced him a lot. In fact, Felix struck out Vlad Guerrero the second most of any pitcher that Vladimir Guerrero ever faced. So he's faced their two kids in this game against the Blue Jays. But that was pretty fun. It was fun on Sunday as well. Marco Gonzalez deals again, goes seven, just allows one run. If you go back to the start against the Angels, June 2nd, Marco gives up 10 runs in four and two-thirds. He's been dynamite ever since. 14 starts, 86 innings, 72 strikeouts, just eight home runs, only 20 walks. A 3 one on base percentage in that stretch against him. He has been in a groove for a long time he is really pitching well right now for the Mariners and he pitched really well yesterday against Toronto seven innings three hits one run
1: Marco sets at the waist the left handers one two swinging it softly flicked into right field Malik Smith drifting to his right comes in a few strides and he makes the catch chin high to end the top of the seventh Marco Gonzalez retires his side in order once again he's allowed just one run on just a few base hits through seven spectacular innings today on a Sunday afternoon from T-Mobile
3: Park. Yeah, he was excellent, and the Mariners play a little long ball.
1: The 2-1. Swing slugged high, deep left field. Fisher turning, Fisher out of room, gone home run. Number six on the season for Dylan Moore. Comes with two outs at the bottom of the third. Now the Mariners jump in front early. Dylan Moore going yard, makes it a 1-0 Mariners.
3: Mariners would win the ball game. They win the series, second weekend in a row. They take a series from Toronto. And here was Scott Service after the ball game, talking about what was a very eventful weekend. It's a,
5: it's a pretty good way
1: to quiet the uh, Blue Day's fans to get Marco throwing that
5: one. Yeah, Marco was uh, brought his A game today. Uh, it was outstanding. Uh, the, the Christmas to his fastball. A lot of ride on his fastball today up in the zone. And you know, we talked, uh, you know, after his last start, um, you know, last year going through an entire season, you know, he missed about three or four starts there. I think it was about this time last year, and then he came back in September and finished pretty strong. But um, sometimes you got to back off a little bit your, your throwing and what you're doing between starts. And I thought, you know, he did just a, a little bit less between starts, and it really paid off today. It's about what you do on game day, not what you do in between uh, for those starters. So um, great effort. Uh, had all of his pitches working. Um, really big for us to get him deep in the game like that as our, our bullpen was a little, uh, they've been used a lot the last couple of days, so um, it, it was nice, nice win.
0: This is one of those games where you had to do a lot of things right. What jumped out at you today?
5: Marco or our ball club?
0: Ball club.
5: Yeah, certainly, you know, uh, getting the guy in from third is a big extra run, uh, picking it up there. Uh, you know, the defense, uh, the catch Dylan Moore makes late in the game. Those are the things you got to do to win a 3-1 game. And, uh, you know, we've been playing pretty good ball. It's our fourth series in a row. Um, guys have a lot of confidence. Um, and it's not – I mean, typically it's been because we've been banging it around the park. Our offense has been really good. But today, you know, we get just enough. Uh, again, I give Dylan Moore a ton of credit. It seems like every day we put him out there, he does, does something. You know, it's a defensive play it's it's a big hit Uh, wasn't expecting a home run today although tom murphy did call it on that pitch so murph is in a different stratosphere (laughs) than the rest of us right now but uh uh again the name of the game today was pitching and the guys in the mound were awesome
3: dylan had not had a plate appearance in like a week how hard is it to come in and you get a home run in your first
5: oh no it's it's, he's out here early hitting all the time you know preparing trying to make adjustments uh to his swing as he's going along too so you know um Happy for him. Uh, you know, we got some left-handed pitching coming in here with the Yankees, so he'll be out there again. In terms of when
6: you picked up uh aggressive send shallow, is that scouting on Fisher's arm? And then
5: obviously Nolan made a great slide. Yeah, a good call by Chris Prieto there. Uh, Chris does a really good job. He knows uh, the arm strength of the guys in the outfield. Not just the arm strength, but the accuracy. Um, and looks at a lot of video. So it was worth, worth taking a shot. I'm glad we took it. And again, Nolan made a really nice slide to make it happen.
6: On June 2nd, Marco gave up 10 runs. He'd lost seven. You guys had lost seven of his starts. he lost six in a row. He's not in four since then. I, I mean, I think he's only allowed more than three runs and two starts. I mean, what, what has he done differently?
5: Oh, the, the, the command of his, his stuff is really good. I think um, you know early in the year in that stretch there, uh, he was really reliant on his cutter. That was kind of his pitch, his go-to pitch last year. Um, and he kind of got away from that. He got back to, to throwing his curveball and his changeup because his cutter really wasn't that consistent at that time. So uh, Marco needs to get them all working. He doesn't have to have all four, but he's got to have three working in any particular outing. And uh, that's what we've seen. And just like Marco always does, that's how you win 14, 15, 16 games in this league is can you get through the fifth, sixth, seventh inning? That's when the games are won or lost. You know, we all know that. And he has the ability to to put the pedal to the metal and, and really bear down in those spots because he knows, you know, that's the, the separator. And we certainly saw it today. We've seen it a number of times in these games. You know, the pitch count gets up there. Can he get through the sixth? Oh, yeah. Okay, he's still got a few left. Yeah, he gets you through the seventh. That's how you win games.
7: You Oh, it, was a, it
5: was a hurdle he had to get over, uh, coming back from injury and um, you know developing as a young guy. And we're going to see a lot of other young pitchers come here to the big leagues. That's the toughest time. Can you get through that lineup the third time? Uh, because these guys, they, they know uh, how you're throwing. They're really good at making adjustments, um, and you have to have something to combat that. Seems like every game here for a while, but Kyle just really helped carry that offense. Right? Yeah, it's it's been um, tremendous. That invisible guy on the bases starting to show up again a little bit the last couple nights Remember we talked to him about him Uh, he thinks he's invisible out there but uh, uh, the bat is certainly not invisible it has been uh, very consistent Uh, he's on the fastball uh, you know makes adjustments seen the off-speed pitches very well so uh, again I hope he continues to finish out the season this way because it's a lot of fun to watch
3: it really is. He's been in a great groove as the Mariners take a series. Now the New York Yankees starting tonight for the first to three. And this is going to be a very interesting series when you look at how the matchups lay out. First pitch, 7-10 tonight. Jay Happ, former Mariner, against opener. And then Tommy Malone will take the ball. 7-10 tomorrow, Yusei Kikuchi. And Tanaka, a Kikuchi-Tanaka matchup, which is going to be fabulous. Wednesday day baseball. How about this? <laughs> 110 first pitch. They were traded for one another, Justice Sheffield against James Paxton coming up on Wednesday. So this should be a fun uh, series to round out a very short homestand. Okay, so we've talked about Sheffield and Fraley. Let's hear from both of them. It's been an exciting few days for the Seattle Mariners as they first welcome Jake Fraley to the Major Leagues. And the pitch to Sogard.
2: Swing and a fly ball into shallow left center field. Fraley coming on in a hurry. Dives and he makes the catch. Holy smokes, what a catch by the kid in shallow left center field in his Major League debut. Jake Fraley flying in, diving for the ball, and robs Eric Sogard for the final out here in the bottom of the eighth inning. What a catch by Fraley. Welcome to the big leagues. We'll
3: see him bat in the top of the ninth inning. His major league debut in St. Pete against Tampa Bay and then coming home for his home debut where he picked up his first major league hit.
2: Now the 2-1 pitch the Fraley. Swing and
3: a line shot. Base
2: in and right field. Jake Fraley with his first major league hit the turn at first he'll stop there up with a ball near the wall is Grinchik gets a throw into second base welcome to the big leagues Jake Fraley a line drive single into right field it zips on by Randall Grinchik and young Jake Fraley how about this is getting a standing ovation from the crowd here at
3: T-Mobile Park. Way to go, kid. And in that game, the Mariners welcome back Justice Sheffield to the major leagues as he made his first major league start. The
2: 1-2 pitch on the way to Guerrero. Swing and a foul tip into the glove of Narvaez. Hangs on it for strike three. So Justice Sheffield, his first strikeout of the ballgame. Fans, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the first out.
3: And Rick had a chance to catch up with both Jake Fraley and Justice Sheffield. First. Here's Jake Fraley.
6: Well, Jake, your major league debut a couple of days ago in Tampa Bay hit the ball hard a couple of times. Great diving catch out there in center field. How does it feel as you get ready for Game Two in the big leagues after Game One?
8: Uh, a little bit more relaxed. Um, I don't know if I'd say a lot more relaxed, but definitely a little bit. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited playing in front of the fans here and the field here. Um, and you know, I'm just a blessing. It's just a blessing.
6: What was your report card in, in Game 1, and where were the butterflies on a scale of 1 to 10 as you made that first at bat?
8: Uh, about 100. Uh, I couldn't get myself to calm down. Um, but, you know, that that means I'm human, and, um, and I expected that. So it wasn't anything that I didn't expect, which is good. So, um, But it was good to get it out of the way, um, and not only the first at bat but the first game, and kind of settle down a little bit. and Game by game, I think it will just slowly get itself back down, to, you know, just getting back to playing the game. Um, And I'm really looking forward to that, and looking forward to, like I said, getting out here in front of these fans today and getting after it again. Everybody wants to
6: check off their first major league hit. I thought you had in that second at bat. You hit the ball very well. What do you think?
8: Uh, Yeah, I hit the ball really well. Um, I was able to get uh, um, see. I was able to see Morton slider up, and he left it a little bit over the middle. Um, And I was able to get the barrel to it. And Heredia made a really, really nice play. So you know, tip your cap to him and. I thought it was at least going to drop for a double that's off true. the bat. I thought it was going to be a home run, um, but ended up, you know, he ended up making a very, very nice play. And then my next to bat ended up hitting another ball hard, and Sogard made another really good play. So that's the big leagues. It's a tough league.
6: It is. It's the highest league you're ever going to play in. And I heard so much about your defense. You can play center field. Tell me about the great catch out there in center on the ball, I believe, hit by Sogard.
8: Yeah, it was hit by Sogard. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw it up. Uh, I was positioned where I you know, should have been, which is, you know, that's why their coaches are so good at what they do. So I was in a good spot to be able to make a play, and I was able to run over there and get a nice dive and play and slide pretty far on that turf. There you go. And now Rick
3: with Justice Sheffield after his start.
6: Justice, last night, your second major league appearance, your first major league start. With the Mariners, uh, a lot of pitches there in the top of the first inning, but you got it out through four you gave the Mariners an opportunity to try to win that ball game. What was going on in that top of the first inning for you?
7: uh you know I think for me um, it was just kind of left some pitches over the middle and uh, you know some some balls got through they put some pretty good swings on it um, you know but once I settled in, you know I just wanted to keep the game as close as possible and uh, pitch as deep as possible, you know even though given you know going you know, 38 pitches in the first inning. I just wanted to pitch as deep as I can, as long as I can, and keep the game as close as I could. So uh, that was that was pretty much what was on my mind.
6: Trip out to the mound by Paul Davis, your pitching coach. What did he tell you to do to get through that first inning?
7: Uh, just get back to finding my keys, um, you know, get get back to that and, and finding my ryth- rhythm and tempo. And, um, you know, I felt like uh, pretty much gave me a breather to get out there and, you know, got back after it.
6: You started off the year at AAA Tacoma. What was going on there? Because then you go down to A, Arkansas, and, man, you get things turned around. What was the difference between AAA and AA for you, Justice?
7: Uh, honestly, for me, I think it was just uh, kind of environment, um, um, kind of just just myself. I was just holding myself back with uh, – Feeling like I was being so close to to here um, and, and and not being here and putting a lot of pressure on myself, which was which wasn't good. But um, you know, when I went down there, I found some keys, uh, you know, that I was using in spring training that I kind of lost uh, at the early on in the year and uh, found it back uh, back in Arkansas and, and uh, you know just rode the wave and, and went with it.
6: In that first inning, we found out, at least I think I did, about you as far as, you know, your makeup and everything. It's not easy to throw 37, 38 pitches, hang in there like you did. Uh, it tells me a lot about what you have inside and your grit. What what did you prove to yourself last night getting through that first and getting through four innings? Yeah,
7: um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm always competitive out there on the mound, um, you know, so that was nothing new to me, uh, you know. I'm gonna get knocked down in some games, but you know I'm gonna get back up and, and keep fighting. Um, I feel like that's, you know, one of the main main reasons why I've made it, you know, so far, uh, so far in my career, just because my competitiveness on the on the mound. But, um, you know, when things when things are gonna turn around, uh, as far as uh, learning the level, you know, strike zone and and, and things like that, pitch pitch sequences and things like that. So I'm just ready to keep learning uh, the more I get out there.
6: What was it like working with Omar as a veteran catcher, to help get you through those four innings?
7: Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, you know, I don't even think I didn't shake once. Um, you know, he, he he put down, called a pretty good game. Um, you know, later on we started mixing in some changeups, which is which is uh, pretty good because it kept them off balance, got some early outs, and uh, got us back in the dugout quick.
6: Visiting with Mariners pitcher Justice Sheffield Justice, 17 major league debuts this year. We've seen a lot of young players come up in the minor leagues, yourself, and also Jake Fraley got his first major league hit. What's coming next? I mean, there's so much talent right now, yourself and many others in this organization. How excited
7: are you about that? I mean, I'm super excited because, you know, I was down there and I've seen it. Um, You know, in Arkansas, they have a good group of guys on there, a good mesh. Um... And some, and some players. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to hopefully see some, some of those guys up here soon and, uh, you know, uh, the rest of them uh, to follow.
3: And how about the great Dan Shulman?
0: Shannon Dreyer joined by Rick Riz, Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, and Dan Shulman from the Toronto booth and obviously other parts as well. Dan, you have had the opportunity to call so many different events. You've had a no-hitter. You've had a World Series, other sports. What's been the most thrilling for you uh, i would say it's been the world series and thanks for having me uh guys I, I started doing the world series in 2011 for espn radio uh and and i think it's probably the most exciting thing that i've done i mean i've you know i've had wonderful opportunities with the blue jays uh, i have a whole other life college basketball in the winter and i've been blessed to call you know duke and carolina and kansas and and you know a dream come true on that side but I think we all, you know, and Rick, you can speak. We all dream of calling championships. That's what you want to do. And and so, uh, the first World Series I did was St. Louis, Texas, which, off the top of your head, may may not, you know, resonate with a lot of people. But it's the one where David Freeze tripled in the ninth mm-hmm. to uh, tie it, and then homered in the eleventh to win it, forcing a game seven. Well, Nelson Cruz, a guy who you guys know well, was the was unfortunately for him, the guy who didn't catch the ball, didn't quite get there on the triple, and, and I would say. You know, that, calling the Cubs World Series championship in 2016
6: when they beat Cleveland in Game 7, those are probably the highlights. Danny, you've been around for a long time and all the World Series. You started uh, broadcasting in 1990 in the Toronto area, and that was a special time because now here come the Blue Jays, and they put things together. They win back-to-back World Series in 92 and 93. I happen to be at that World Series in Toronto against the Philadelphia Phillies. How special a time was that if you were a baseball fan in Toronto? It was
0: crazy. I mean, I'm a Toronto born and raised kid, and and I started working at the Toronto All Sports Radio Station, which wasn't even All Sports then, in 1991. Blue Jays win the division in 91. I'm 24 years old. Like, I don't even know what I don't even know. (laughs) And I'm doing the pre and post for Tom and Jerry, two guys that you knew very well, Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth uh tom a hall of famer who unfortunately passed away some years ago jerry just retired this year so i was doing pre and post and all of a sudden the blue jays are the best team in baseball and this team that i had grown up rooting for as a kid in the city that i was born and raised in they're in the world series like i'm like three years out of college and now i'm sitting in sitting at what was then known as skydome and joe carter's hitting a home run and john olerwood's hitting 363 and dave stewart and jack morris and it was it was nuts like it was really nuts I was pinching myself over and over and over again Um, at the same time from a hockey perspective the Maple Leafs who have been bad a lot more than they've been good they made the conference finals each of those two years as well so and I was hosting a a talk show during the day in addition to doing the pre and post for the Blue Jays at night like it just it was an absolute dream come true couldn't have worked out better
1: Dan Schulman is our guest here on the pregame roundtable Dan I'm curious when you are prepping for broadcasting a World Series compared to prepping to
0: call game 132, the Mariners (laughs) and the Blue Jays, for example, what are the differences? That's an inside broadcasting question right there. That's (laughs) a guy who knows what he's talking about. Uh, Huge differences, obviously. So, well, even if it's just national versus local, uh, you know, if I'm doing the Indians and Cubs in a game seven of the World Series, or it doesn't matter if I'm doing an ESPN baseball game between any two teams, you know that both fan bases are going to be watching that game or listening to that game, and they want to know, hey, does this guy know our team? Does this guy know our team as well as our guys know our team? So um, it, it's more prep when you're not doing the home team. And, you know, for you guys with the Mariners, how much prep do you have to do on a day-to-day basis? You know the Mariners inside out. You're with them every day. Same with me with the Blue Jays. So I have to do a tiny bit of Blue jay stuff. Clay Buckholz is starting today, and I do some Mariners stuff. But... Our, you know, the Blue Jay audience wants to hear more about the Blue Jays and the Mariners. Your audience wants to hear more about the Mariners and the Blue Jays. So there's a lot more prep, I think, that goes into a, a national game. And when you do a playoff game on radio for baseball, I think in game one of a series, you you really have to kind of introduce the players to the audience. So I have to, t- if I do a Dodgers series, they know Cody Bellinger's really good, but i got to tell a little, I've got to give some background and where he came from and how he got to where he is. So I think they're... It's different kinds of storytelling, but um, I think by the time you get to Game 7 of a World Series, you know, you're biting your nails, you're on the edge of your seat, and it's just what's happening between the white lines.
1: Are you nervous in a Game 7
0: with that with 26 outs? Uh, a little bit, yes. And I've never, I, I shouldn't say, I, I only scripted something once in my life, and we did a game the day after Jose Fernandez was killed in the, in the plane crash, and I wanted to make sure I, I got it right but I have never scripted an end-of-game situation. Uh, yeah, and you are a little bit nervous. Uh, well, the scariest moment of my life was the David Freeze play because Cruz goes back, and you guys are probably like me. Sometimes you're looking at the monitors. Sometimes you're looking at the field, and he's 380 feet away from me, and he's reaching up, and as the ball's in the air, I'm saying, Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, <laughs> because this is either a, a tie game or the end of the World Series. Like, there's no in-between. Yeah. I got a 50-50 shot here. Don't <laughs> screw this up. So, um, yeah, every now and again. And listen, we've all made mistakes, right? And the yeah. best thing, you guys know this, the best thing you can do is own your mistake. Say, yeah. sorry, my bad, or forgive me, I thought that. Uh, but, yeah, with 26 outs in Game 7 of a World Series, your heart's pumping pretty good. So.
3: Was it always baseball for you? Or is hockey, play-by-play ever
0: I did some hockey. Uh, I did a little bit of hockey, so... Um, Hockey fan as a kid. The Blue Jays showed up when I was 10. Before I was 10, I didn't know other sports existed other than hockey. (laughs) Big Maple Leafs fan, which is a tough thing to be sometimes. Um, I I did some hockey play-by-play in Canada in the 90s. I actually went to the Olympics for Canadian TV in 1994, and I was the number two hockey guy, which means I got all the non-Canada games. So if you're really interested in Norway or Finland or the Czech Republic, was I was the guy. Yeah. But it was you know, I went to an Olympics and again I was twenty seven years old. It was crazy. So and, and have never been back. Um did some football play by play only in college. But really I, I could have wound up in any of the four sports, I think. It's just the opportunities that presented themselves were um, baseball and basketball in Toronto. I kind of when I was doing a, a talk show on local radio, I kind of became known as a baseball basketball guy. Mm. Back in the nineties, there weren't that many people talking basketball in Canada. This is before the Raptors mm-hmm. had come and all that. Um, and the baseball job for the Blue Jays opened up in nineteen ninety five. Jim Houston, who lives in Vancouver, went back to Vancouver to do hockey, and I auditioned for the Blue Jay job and got the job. But I could have eas- just as easily, been a hockey guy. Um, so, but I. I kind of chose my two sports, and I've always wondered, should I, could I do football, do hockey? But, um, you know, it's hard to do more than two sports. The two I do, you know, baseball ends, and literally five days later, I'm doing the Champions Classic for ESPN. And then I finish the ACC tournament, and there have been times I finish it Saturday night. And Sunday afternoon, I'm in Florida doing a spring training game, so I'm not sure I could. My, my brain—I don't think I could fit. Any, I don't think I could fit anything else in. Dan, I'm going to piggyback on Gary's question there, and unfortunately, we've only got about two minutes, and this might be a longer answer. But uh, why radio? What got you into radio, and what keeps you in radio? Wow, that's that's a tough question. So um, I was a math major. I was an actuary, wow. which most people don't even know what it is, and uh, I messed around just for fun at, uh, when I went to I went to a Canadian university, Western Ontario. And my parents had always said, do something beyond classes. Volunteer, get involved, join a club. And I wanted to write for the campus newspaper. So I went down the first day of my first year, and the line was like out the door. And I said, well, I'm not the, the heck with that. And I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. And I started walking back, and there was this other door, and it just said Radio Western. And I walked in, and I said... You guys, this is the radio station? Yeah. Do you do sports? Yeah. Do you need volunteers? Yeah. And I just, it's not like going to Michigan or UCL or USC or something. It's a much smaller scale. But I broadcast Western football, basketball, hockey games for three years. Graduated as an actuary. Worked for literally three, four months and said, I don't know if this is for me. Went to my parents and said, okay, don't say anything till I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel if, and, and I said, give me two years. Give me two years uh-huh. to see if I can do it. Um, I wrote my uh, GMAT, like for business school. I said, I'll write my GMAT. I got deferred acceptance. I said, give me two years to figure this out. And went to a, a small city north of Toronto, Barry, Ontario, 50 miles north. And a year and a half later, got the job at the Toronto station. And um, so that's the short I mean, version of the story. They knew your story. voice, right? I mean, how could your mom and dad be like, I don't, Dan, Dan, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you're cut out for this. Well, now, well, the funny part now is my dad, who's 82 years old, he loves to tell the story. He goes, you know... When Dan, everybody, I'm Danny in my person. When Danny still lived with us in high school and in the summers and college and stuff like that, when girls would call the house, my voice sounded exactly like his, so I could pretend I was his. And I would say, time out, Dad. First of all, no girls ever call the house. <laughs> like, I don't know if you have another son who was cooler than me, but no girls were calling. But he, um, it, it, our voices used to be pretty similar. But the funny wow. thing, well, I'm, and I'm sure you, you guys both get this, nobody ever said to me before I got into this, hey, you've got a good voice. Or anything. like Nobody ever said that to me. And then you when I got into face. it, people said, so where'd you go for voice lessons? And I said, I didn't go anywhere for voice I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is me. But I, I was, Shannon, like I fell into this. Fell into this backwards, sideways, not knowing where I was going. All I wanted to do was get a job in Toronto. That's my hometown. I just wanted to work in the city that I grew up in. And, and this, it's you know, it's been wonderful. It really That's has. fantastic so. story, yeah, Dan. Dan thank, thank you. So Thanks, Dan. Thank you, our guys. Seattle. Good seeing you all. Thank you, Dan.